This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. Hey there, welcome to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 17. When I started this podcast, the whole point was to be able to talk about real topics that we all encounter with these tiny humans that we don't feel like we have the tools to address. So when people reach out to me, they are often asking like different parenting questions or how do I address this topic or what does this mean? And I often find that I get a lot of the same questions or similar questions. And sometimes I have the answer and sometimes I don't. So with this one, a parent reached out and said that she works with folks with disabilities, physical disabilities, and she had a child who wore leg braces uh, as a corrective device. And she thought that she would approach this topic. She thought this was something she like had the tools for. This is her job. She knew how she would talk to kids about disabilities and how to do so in a respectful, inclusive manner. And then she found herself in this scenario and was not sure. She really wanted to talk through it. And so I asked her if she would have this conversation with me on the podcast because I'm sure if she was feeling that, then she's not flying solo. And I really learned a lot from her. I learned a lot throughout this conversation. She's so knowledgeable about this. I think being intentional with our language is so important. And she helped build my toolbox. And we got to really talk through different scenarios and different questions that I had for her and different things that had come up for her along this journey as well. Uh, So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Whitney. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Over 300,000 women die every year as a result of complications during pregnancy and childbirth. 
These women are not only the caretakers, they're often the teachers, the healthcare providers, and the community leaders. 99% of maternal deaths take place in the developing world, and 98% of them are preventable. Every Mother Counts is working to address the barriers to maternal health around the world and at home through transportation, education, supplies. They work tirelessly to help reduce these numbers so that more women can live and more kids can have mothers. For the month of May, in honor of Mother's Day, I will be donating 20% of all of my sleep consultation proceeds to Every Mother Counts. If you've been on the fence about doing a sleep consultation, this month is the month to do so. If you don't need a sleep consultation and you just want to donate, reach out. I'm happy to help you. Thank you to Every Mother Counts for their tireless work on this crucial issue affecting women here at home and around the world. Hey everyone, welcome to Voices of Your Village. Today I am here with Whitney Kallenbach. Whitney is someone that I grew up with and have known for, oh gosh, I don't know, probably 20 plus years at this point, Whit. At least. <laughs> wild. Uh, and we have connected over social media and I've had a couple back and forths uh, about a few different topics, but one that I wanted to bring her on here today for uh, is to talk about children with disabilities, people with disabilities, and how we talk about this. I think it's something that for a lot of folks is an uncomfortable topic. And so, yeah, before we dive in, what do you want to just give us a little bit about who you are and your background? Sure. So um, right now I currently work at a VA hospital in Richmond, Virginia, and I'm what's called a recreation therapist. Um, and I've done that for about nine years. And prior to that in grad school, I worked at um, what's called the New York State Inclusive Recreation Resource Center, which is a mouthful where I was kind of like an advocate for um, just it being inclusive um, <clears throat> and people with disabilities in general. Um, and they were really big on, you know, person-first language and talking, you know, respectfully about people with disabilities. And that's where I learned a lot of, like, my background for that. And so it's kind of been a little bit of shift now working in a clinical setting, um, how people talk about some disabilities is a little bit different, but it's interesting. But um, so yeah, I've kind of, that's my background. And then I have one daughter, Cece, who is about to turn two in July and then one baby on the way. Yeah. Congrats. Baby on the way and due soon, eh? Yes. Uh, end of June. So it's exciting. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> wild. Well, and I've just seen this from like pictures and I don't know any background about it, but Cece had braces on her legs, correct? Yes. And so that is kind of why I reached out to you because through that experience and it's an orthopedic issue. So I wouldn't, I want to be clear. Like I don't, um, like I think it's just totally different than having a child with a disability because this is something that is easily correctable. So I don't want to like feel like I know what that's like to have a child with a disability, but just having like that assistive device, um, on her and, you know, she wears them all the time out in public and how people have kind of responded to that has kind of made me question some things about how I thought I would approach this topic. Um, and it's just, you know, I think it's just different when you're dealing with kids too. Um, and right now she's too young to really understand what, you know, totally what somebody would say to her, but 
and actually it's mostly been adults that I feel like have said approach it in a hurtful way. Whereas if she was a little older, it would upset me more. Um, and so I've kind of like thought a little differently and so I'm kind of, you know, I'm not an expert by any means in any of this. Um, but just kind of reshape my thinking about how is the best way to approach this topic. Yeah, totally. And and I don't think I have the answers, but I'd love to kind of dive into different things I found along the way and in questions that I have. Um, so like what, can you give me an example of something hurtful that you heard from, from an adult when out in well, public? Just, and I don't think, you know, I, I really don't think, you know, the majority of people ever mean things in a hurtful way. They're just curious. And that's like my background before is, you know, I, I mostly work with people with adults or people with adults, adults <laughs> um, who have disabilities. And, you know, if kids ask them a question, usually they respond very well to that in an educational manner. Um, but like, sh- we've had several people like just say like, what's wrong with her? Mm. And to me, that's like, it bothers me because there's nothing wrong with her in my opinion. Um, you know, she's using a corrective device, but and it doesn't bother me, but I could imagine if she was eight or nine years old, how that would come across as somebody saying like, what's wrong with her as opposed to why does she wear the braces? Right. Um, and I recently was reading a blog um, that I really enjoy. It's called Mix and Match Mama. And they have a daughter who has a, um, an issue with her veins, I believe, like a vascular issue. And she was saying how some girls came up to her and just said, like, why is your hand so big? And it re- she really shut down in her response to that because she knows what's, you know, what her disability is or what her issue is. But when it was coming from other kids kind of pointing that out to her, she it just like ruined her whole day because it like, just pointed out her difference to them. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that I, I think is interesting as hearing you talk about her braces is that you think of them as a device, almost as like a tool to help CC, I'm not sure, you know, what the, I guess the goal is here, but I'm I'm guessing. Yeah, her legs were, um, she has what I guess is commonly referred to as bow legs and they were just helping her correct them. And yeah, that's definitely how I look at it. And that's um, kind of how I see like people who use wheelchairs too. And that's like my way of thinking in the past would definitely be like, you know, if a kid is interested in someone's wheelchair, like have them ask about it. Because, you know, we are so fortunate that we live in a country um, where there's really awesome assistive technology and assistive devices and um, people using a wheelchair, like that's not a negative thing. Some people's legs work one way, some people's legs work another way. And because of the wheelchair, they're able to get around and be mobile and, um, so I think of it more as a tool than something negative. And I think that's why, you know, in the past people would say, oh, they're wheelchair bound. And that's not really a, a frame of reference I would ever use because the wheelchair is a tool that's helping them. So if they didn't have the wheelchair, that would be the real disability. Yeah, I think that that's so cool. Give me chills. Um, but a cool way to approach it, especially with kids, right? That if we are going to kind of, set up this language for kids. We know that kids are going to mirror our language. And so how we choose to talk about these devices as tools, um, I think could be a game changer for approaching this with kids. I think that it, it, it humanizes, right? Like, yeah. And I think a lot of times kids are just really interested in the technology and in the devices. Um, and so that's what I would always 
you know, encouraged when I was out in the community with um, people I work with and kids asked, I would kind of encourage them to be like, yeah, isn't this really cool? Like, this is how my wheelchair works, or this is what I can do with it, or this is how, you know, my um, prosthetic leg works and all this stuff. And kids think that stuff is so awesome. And I just think that's like really showing like, hey, this is really cool. Like, this is so helpful. Yeah, I think I think it makes us uncomfortable, right, as adults yeah. all the time to be like, uh, it's I, I recorded an episode in the gender episode where Tristan uh, said a scenario of like being in the grocery store and this kid was like, wow, that woman's really black. And like our instinct is like, bah, don't talk about this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the same oftentimes with with people with disabilities that we as adults don't have the language to talk about it or that we're, we don't want to offend someone, right? Yeah. And so almost like acting like there isn't a difference here, which is, is ridiculous because there's yeah. a difference and we can highlight these differences. And I think just like language is so important. And I think like my family gives me a little flack, you know, like teases me because like, you know, like always oh, saying the right thing, which isn't, and like people are like, oh, well, why do I always have to be politically correct? And that's really not what it's about at all. It's just about being respectful and how you frame language even. So I would never like correct somebody. What I would do is repeat back what I, you know, would say is the more respectful term. Um, but also I think too, you know, depends on how old you are. The language you grew up with is just totally different. And um but over a course of time, if you keep referring to somebody in one way, like they start to believe that about themselves. And one of my pet peeves that I really had to try to just let go, um, especially working in a hospital now, is like when someone is like when someone is referring to like a person who uses a wheelchair and calls them a chair, like that mm. to me just like sends a message to them that they're just the wheelchair. Like whether they think that or not like obviously they don't think that about themselves but if you over time keep saying that and I just went to like this big um, event and I wrote the same comment for three years that I've gone is that when they're loading lots of people who use wheelchairs um, and the transportation people are just trying to get numbers of how many spaces they need for those people they'll say how many chairs do you have and I always say well how about the people in them like do you just want the chairs loaded or because to me, that's just like, you're more than just the wheelchair. So yes, you need space for the wheelchair, but it's just really thinking about like, they're a person that happens to have a disability. Like I happen to have blue eyes, right. you know, it's just a part of who they are, but it's not who they are. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's just a comfort and awareness, right? That like, like you said, they're like thinking about these numbers and they're not thinking about the people as numbers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah absolutely. I Growing up, my dad worked at the rehab center in Olean, and um, we he encouraged my siblings and I, not all of us did, but I, to, to work there. And I worked there for the summer between freshman and sophomore year of, of college, and it rocked my world, like totally changed my perspective. I was working in a house with 12 um, paraplegic and, and quadriplegic adults, and uh, a lot of them also had mental retardation or other components here that were that were challenges for them. And I we had to give full care, right? And so 
uh, I'd come home like you know, 24 seven care. So our shifts were, were kind of all over the map, but every time I came home, whether my dad was awake or asleep, he would wake up and he would ask me about my day. And he, the way that he talked about these people and changed how I looked at these people and how I approached this job where it's exhausting, right? It was like crazy physical <laughs> exhaustion yeah. and, and just draining. And he always made it a point to like talk about them as people. And he would share their stories with me and kind of a little bit of their background and things like that. And just very much humanized them. And I think it's very easy to kind of like other people, right? And so yeah. especially folks in wheelchairs, if we've never really been around it, it's, it, I think that we aren't necessarily aware of what their abilities are. We see the disabilities. And I think one thing that I learned from my dad and then have tried to carry over into my work with tiny humans is being able to highlight abilities and not just sure. focus on disabilities. Yeah, definitely. That is, I think, the, you know, the best way to approach it, um, all the things you can do. I mean, even as a recreation therapist, um, for like the first three years I worked at the VA, I worked solely on a spinal cord injury unit. And that was a big part of, you know, transitioning somebody who you see that they just had a spinal cord injury. And that's the, a life-changing um, diagnosis. And it's kind of like framing it like, yes, there's going to be things that you aren't able to do the same, but these are all the things you still can do. It may look different. Um, you may be using a hand cycle and not a upright bike, but there's still so much that you can do. And really changing that frame of mind, which is very hard at first. And, you know, I can't imagine how I would respond. And I don't know that I would be like gung-ho and like, okay, that will be fine, but it takes some time. Um, but there's still, and now with all the technology we have, um, there's still so much you can do basically with any disability. Um, you know, it's really, it's a great time to be alive, like a Hamilton quote. Um, because, you know, almost like right now I'm working in the adaptive sports department and there basically with any disability, you can adapt some sport to be competitive at and have fun and meet your needs. and do things with your family. Um, it's just a lot of troubleshooting and creativity. Um, but there isn't, it's not as limiting as it once was. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 
voices. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So, join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that... A, that's huge, but B, like, we got to learn how to talk about this, right? Like, yes. It's, it, things have evolved just technologically so fast, um, and things have changed even, like, within our generation, right? The, the What technology has allowed us to be able to do. Um, I was actually watching a Call the Midwife episode recently, uh, and it was about uh, children who were born with different disabilities and fitting like prosthetics to them and all that jazz. And I was watching it and I was like, wow, like for, for folks in this time, it was like huge that they could kind of put a leg on someone. Right. And then like now just how far it's come. And I think that like, but our language hasn't necessarily evolved in terms of like what we're teaching everyone to use. I would 100% agree with that. So what are some things that I guess you wish you could you would put out into the world after both your experience at work and also like having CC wear braces, right? And just like your experience as as a mom there and like with your tiny human. So just in general, I think it's a you know a good idea. So what we um kind of in the community call it is person first language. Um and that you're always putting the person first. So you're not research referring to somebody as blind. It's a person with a visual impairment. So that's a really hard habit to change. Um, but it's not, you know, like a, a quad is in the hospital. That's what people call them a lot, but it's a person with quadriplegia. And just that frame of reference kind of changes how you think of the person too. So, um, like I said, I don't ever correct anyone, but just when they say it, even like if somebody says, oh, he's autistic, I would say, Mm -hmm. oh, that child has autism. Um, But if it's, you know, if it's the person talking about themselves, I, you know, of course, like that, they're taking ownership sometimes of those labels. Um, And so I wouldn't, you know, tell them, oh, you're wrong or anything like that. But that's just how I look at it. Um, The other thing that is kind of, you know, like a, a word that people still use a lot that they don't really realize how dated it sounds is handicap um and like the literal meaning of that like where that comes from is hand and cap referring to people with a disability like didn't have couldn't make a living on their own so they would be begging Mm. um and so I think even like referring to parking spaces if you really think about the definition of that that makes no sense because if a parking space was handicapped it'd be harder to get to Mm. Um, the parking spaces are more accessible. So, um, I would just always say like the accessible space, um, and just, 
you know, there's in um, there's a lot of resources for just kind of like changing the way you talk. Um, and then I guess when referring to kids, that's where kind of I've kind of changed a little bit. So I would always like say if a kid has a question to definitely go ask. Um, and I think that's different when you're like talking about an adult, like a kid asking an adult. Um, and I think adults like sometimes respond really well to like kids, you know, being curious and asking questions for the most part I've seen. I did have one veteran who was having a really hard time adjusting to a spinal cord injury in a child. We were out and asked them about their wheelchair and they kind of, you know, shut down. Um, he was also dealing with some PTSD and some other issues, but 99% of the time I've seen that work really well. The child approaching them and saying like, Hey, like, why do you use a wheelchair? Um, the thing that's kind of changed for me is that I don't, I kind of think that there are sometimes things that just really aren't your business. Mm. And it's kind of like, how do we frame that to kids? Like, you know, maybe it's not our business what's wrong with them. Um, and it's, so that's where kind of like, I could see how like a child saying that to another child might hurt the child for pointing out their differences mm-hmm. or, you know, and I kind of was thinking maybe, you know, I would teach my children, Hey, if we see somebody with a difference, um, and you want to ask me about it, like, let's have a conversation about that. But do we necessarily need to point it out to that person? Right. Um, because it's different. You know, I think it's a lot different when it's a six-year-old asking an adult, but when it's a six-year-old asking a seven-year-old and they're trying to fit in, it's not always the polite thing to do to point out how they're different. And I was just thinking, you know, you would never, you'd be embarrassed if your child went up to somebody and said like, oh, how much did your car cost? How much did your house cost? But, you know, if we're pointing out why another child is different, that's where I kind of think it can be very hurtful sometimes. Um, And I don't think it's that they shouldn't ask the questions because I think it's really important to educate kids on differences and disabilities and all sorts of differences. But I don't know kind of how to approach that as far as asking the child themselves. Right. Like that socialization piece of like, they're, everyone's trying to hang. Right. Yeah. And like, you just want to, you know, Hey, so what I have one arm, you have two arms. Like we don't like, we're still playing Barbies together. Um, right. right. You know, there's no, you know, maybe we can talk about that later, the parent and the child, but we don't need to point that out. The child knows that they're different. Right. So. Yeah. Well, but I wonder how much of it like normalizes it then. Right. Like if we can, I don't, yeah, I think it's a fine line between like pointing out things that might make a child feel insecure about it versus being able to own it, right? And yeah, so, and I think too, it's probably how it's asked. Like it's, if it's asked what's wrong with you, you know, that can really shut a child down. But it's like, hey, you know, why do you use a wheelchair? And they say, oh, my legs don't work the same as yours. And they're like, okay, cool. Like let's keep playing Barbies or I don't really like Barbies personally. That's a bad example, <laughs> right. but Legos or, you know. Right whatever you're playing with. Um, so yeah, it just kind of like kind of opened my mind to having, seeing her and um, obviously defensive as her parent, but I could imagine how somebody come up and coming up to her and saying, what's wrong with you at a certain age would, you know, just get that in her head that there was something wrong with her. And right. Of course, in my opinion, even if you have a disability, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. Absolutely. 
So I, I think like, I was actually just thinking of this anecdote that I n- noticed on the playground today between two, like two and a half year olds where one, they were playing just like dramatic play in the sandbox. And these girls have known each other since they were infants. And one girl turned to the other girl and they were like playing like, ki- like kitchen cooking, whatever. And there was a mommy and a mama in this scenario. One of the girls has two moms and uh, the other girl turned and said, why you don't have a dad? And she was like, I have a mommy and a mama. And they were like, oh, okay. And it just like went on. And that was it. She asked her question. It wasn't something that the little girl was secure enough at her answer, right? Yeah. Like she knew why she didn't have a dad for her. She was like, yeah, I don't. I just have two moms. Like <laughs> you have a mom and a dad and I have two moms. And it didn't become like a big thing. And it didn't seem to be a point of insecurity for this other kid. Uh, in the end, the child asking the question just accepted that answer, right? Like, yeah. Like, oh, okay, cool. Um, but so I wonder, like, also, like, kind of how close the kids are, right? Like, if this is a kid that, like, your kid is friends with. That oh, is yeah. I think that may, would make a huge difference. Right. I mean, like, you can just, like, cross a different bridge, right? In the same way that as adults, like, some people can ask me questions that I wouldn't want a stranger to ask me. <laughs> yeah. And even in my experience, like, you know, if I didn't, you know, I'm just, I'm not a big Facebook share with a lot of things. So I posted pictures of Cece wearing braces. I didn't, go on a long explanation of why she had them or when she got them or anything like that. And a couple of friends reached out and were like, Hey, you know, like what, what's, why is Cece wearing braces? Like I noticed in the pictures and you know, I didn't have any problem with that. But the one like that really bothered me was we were walking in a rest stop and we were driving to visit my mom. Um, and I'm walking in with her and across the rest stop, like 20 feet across the rest stop, this guy yells, Hey, what's wrong with her legs? And I was like, what? Like, I was so caught off guard. And like, you know, I had other things I wanted to say, but I was like, you know what? Like, take a deep breath. And I was like, you know what? Um, She has an orthopedic issue that her legs weren't going straight and she's wearing these braces to correct them. And, you know, we're very lucky that they're able to be corrected and hopefully it won't be a big deal. Thanks for asking. But like, it's just, it's all in how, like in anything in life, like how the language you use to approach it. And, um, yeah, like if a friend said that to me, like I wouldn't have been as offensive. But at that point too, that's where I'm kind of like, why would I, like, I would never yell that about like, and like, I wouldn't say like, hey, where'd you get that shirt? Like across the rest stop, you know, like about anything, like sometimes things you just, I think there's also a fine line between teaching your kids like, hey, you know, we don't need the answers to everything instantly all the time. Right. Well, and you don't just get access to that, right? Like something. Yeah. Like yeah, no, for sure. I think with kids, it often, you know, comes from a place of curiosity, right? So definitely. Um, there, when I taught preschool in New York City, there is a playground uh, nearby where we would often see children w- in wheelchairs that were at this playground. It was near another school um, that uh, it was like an accessible playground, is that what we're calling? Uh huh. Yeah, that's so, great. <laughs> uh, and. So we would we'd see kids and they would ask all these questions, right? And it came from this place of curiosity of like, I would get questions like, can they go on the monkey bars? And and so those are things where I was like, I don't know those answers. And But I also don't know that you're allowed to go ask these people who are just trying to play at the playground yeah. these answers too. Like, I don't know, it's not their job to speak for about yeah. ability constantly. And I think that's too, like that's necessarily like the setting you're in. Like if it's a in this blog I read, the girl was just trying to like play and fit in with like older girls. Mm-hmm. And 
like these girls just came up to her and kind of like questioned her and they were just curious, but it was just like how she was approached and kind of the setting that really made her shut down. Um, But yeah, I think it was great that they were asking and, you know, it's great to, and now we like with the YouTube and the Paralympics and there's so many like cool resources. And a lot of times I would like show kids um, like videos of people competing in the Paralympics or people who use a wheelchair skydiving or, um, you know, I have patients, um, at the VA hospital that shoot bow and arrow with their mouth, with their feet I've seen people do. So I think it's just like kind of showing them like how, how cool is this? Like, yeah, they can't use, they might not be able to use their legs, but look how they can use their hands or they, you know, don't have a leg, but this is other things they can do. Yeah, absolutely. What are some resources you would recommend? You mentioned the Paralympics. Um, yeah. So I think, um, I'm looking up, trying to look up the website. I believe it's called the inclusivity project. Um, like I said, my computer is not cooperating, but I believe it's inclusivityproject.org is like a great resource for, um, talking with kids with disabilities, um, person first language, kind of that frame of reference of like what we might used to say and what we would prefer people to say now. And, I don't think it's like, if you go on there and you're like, oh my gosh, I've been saying this, like, that's so bad, but it's not about that. It's just like, hey, like, this is a different way to think of it. Um, And then, yeah, I think YouTube is actually really cool. Like, if you sometimes, like, if they said, hey, can a kid who uses a wheelchair do the monkey bars? Like, YouTube it. I'm sure there's a video of some child who um, uses a wheelchair doing the monkey bars, for sure. Like, maybe not that specific child they were talking about could do it, Mm -hmm. but... um, yeah, really, basically nowadays a disability, with a disability, you can do almost anything. Um, there's a way to adapt it. So I think that's cool. Like, and kids love that sort of stuff, like watching videos um, of people doing awesome things. So um, I think that's just like another cool resource. Um, that's awesome. And I think when we think often of like, so one of the like um, guidelines we have for our classroom is that you have to have a diverse representation in like books and just any like displays that we have like pictures throughout the classroom whatever and oftentimes I think when we think of diversity we think of race um, or gender and I don't think we always consider abilities here and uh, so this is something that like kind of is is pretty new to me in the last few years of making sure that we have diversity in our books in terms of all abilities being represented. Uh, Do you have any tiny human books that you found that you really like? I will also say that like, before I really ask you that question, I guess, one thing that drives me bonkers is when we have kids books that just like, all they talk about is the, is the difference. So like the book that's like, I have two moms instead of just like, yeah, like mentioning it briefly. Exactly. Or just like in the pictures you see, like there are two moms here or, you know, in the, in the language, but not that like, we're just going to talk about the fact that I have two moms. Like I, that those drive me absolutely nuts. And so I guess like, yeah, are there any books that you found where there are kids of, of different abilities or all abilities being represented? No, I actually, now that you mentioned that, um, I haven't come across any books for CeCe's level. And like I said, she's not quite two that speak or show or um, mention people with disabilities at all. And that, that kind of just dawned on me. Where I've seen it more recently is in ads. Mm. Um, 
where they might you just have a person using a wheelchair in the ad and that's really cool it doesn't have to be like about them being in a wheelchair they're just in the ad um and that's like the best way to show it because it's just like I said before um you know some kids happen to have two moms some kids happen to have two dads some kids you know don't have any parents so it's cool that you have two parents um, same with like having a disability, you know, some people happen to use a wheelchair, some people happen to um, use their legs. Um, I think it is becoming a lot more prevalent, like on TV shows, um, mm-hmm. part of a couple of TV shows lately that have, you know, had people represented who use wheelchairs. But I think also sometimes that is interesting too, because then when people think of a person with a disability, it's just using a wheelchair right? or, um, you know, like when you think of an accessible parking space, it's very interesting to me. Like sometimes you'll see people parked in the access aisle, which is the striped lines. And a couple of times I have said stuff to somebody in that. And I'm like, Hey, you know, like if somebody does use a wheelchair, um, that is how their ramp deploys. So you might think it's just extra space, but like they can't get back in their car if you're parked there. So that's really important that you don't park there. Um, and then they'll say something like, Oh, well, I, you know, kind of judging the person that got out of the car but also like I have patients that if they go to a big shopping center they have a brain injury like they really can't remember where they park if they just park in a general parking space Mm -hmm. so they have a um, accessible parking tag and they park there for memory issues but they look physically fit so Mm -hmm. you know I think that's just important to remember that's having using a wheelchair or having an intellectual disability or something like that there's a broad range of disabilities um and so i think that's important that like it's great now we are seeing more representation um of that but it's you know there's people with visual impairments hearing impairments um all sorts of things so it's important to kind of like look at it in a broader scope but i know that you know things only happen so fast. So at least we're seeing some change, but um, yeah, that's really interesting. You mentioned the book part because I haven't come across any books with that. Well, I'm going to make it my mission that by the time this episode airs, I will have a list of infantile books that I can just like kind of put out with this episode so that we can have. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. 
don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. And the website that I was unsure about is the Inclusion Project, inclusionproject.org. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great resource. Uh, and you know what? I actually was on Instagram the other day and I saw this post where this person had posted and then underneath their post, they had written a description of what was in the picture. And I like, it took me a while, but all of a sudden I was like, oh, like this would be for someone who has a visual impairment and can't see the picture, right? Yeah. Like this could read the text. I was like, that is so cool. Like, it's so cool that it's something that like we're thinking to do, right? Yeah. But, like that's a part of the conversation. And I feel like we've, we've come really far, but then we can't just be like, wow, it's so much better than it used to be. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I wish that like these, these are things I just think that I need to be more mindful of even using, using the term visually impaired instead of blind, right? Like it's a simple switch, but you, you have to be intentional about it. Yeah. And even like not everyone who has a visual impairment who needs to use um, assistive devices is blind. So I just, this actually happened today and it was kind of made me laugh a little bit. Um, I was in the cafeteria and a veteran that I work with quite regularly who has pretty, you know, adequate vision, but has a visual impairment that doesn't allow him to drive. And he uses a long cane, um, to guide him. He was (laughs) trying to get to the back of the line, but it was just like a very crowded environment. And he was just having trouble navigating like everybody else in the cafeteria was. And everybody was like, sir, sir, let me guide you to the back of the line. But he can see well enough to find the back of the line. Mm. But everyone was trying to be like overly helpful. And it was frustrating him more than, you know, just letting him kind of do his thing. Totally. Um, and so I think, you know, that's just, it's just really education because people don't know, like when, to be like very cliche, if you know better, you do better. And it's just kind of thinking about that or, you know, sometimes people are like overly helpful to people that use wheelchairs and that's very nice. Um, but like sometimes they just don't want the attention and want to do it on their own. I'd say the majority of the time. And so unless someone really asks for your help, um, always default to you can offer, but don't just go out of your way to baby somebody or, um, you know, overstep your bounds, I guess is the more correct term. Yeah, no, I think that that's true. Actually, one, we were at the playground one time, I was with my sister-in-law and my uh, twin niece and nephew, and the kids were maybe like three-ish. And uh, there was a girl, I'm I'm not going to use the correct terms here, feel free to correct me, but she was like using like sticks to kind of help her walk. I don't know. What yeah, probably called. like a loft strand crutch it's called, but yeah, okay. like using some sort and, of crutch or cane. Yeah, exactly. And she was probably about their age, like three or four. And um, the kids were just like staring, right? Like they didn't know they were processing, right? And they didn't know, like, they didn't even ask questions yet. They were just staring. And my sister-in-law popped over and just like got down on their level and was like, Hey, what do you think she likes to play? And all of a sudden, like my niece was like, 
hmm, I wonder if she wants to, and just like went on this list of like things that she likes to play. And my sister-in-law was like, yeah, you can go ask her if she wants to come play with you, if you'd like to. And so she just popped over and asked her and they ended up playing together. And I was like, yes, you crushed that. (laughs) Yeah. That is so awesome because, and then, you know, through playing, she can probably process like, Hey, she's using these to walk and that's pretty cool. Like it's helping her. Right. And you know, there's not really like a bunch of like sit down conversation that necessarily needs to happen, but that is just for anything showing how you're more alike than different. And that is, you know, the perfect way to respond to that. Yeah. And and I, I I learned so much in that moment because my instinct was like, all right, let me talk to them about this. Like, what do you see? Like, what are your questions sort of thing? And my sister-in-law just stepped in and instead highlighted like who that this, she humanized her, right? Like, she was like, oh, this is a kid who wants to play. Like, do you want to go play with her? <laughs> with yeah. And I was like, wow. Like it just, it, it was awesome. It was awesome to be able to like witness and learn from. And I, I think that just as you were asking about like, you know, like it's okay for kids to have questions, but maybe to not ask these other kids questions. I think it is really important that like, I'm sure that little girl goes out and gets a lot of questions a lot. And it's probably nice to go out and just have a kid come up and say, hey, do you want to come play? Yeah. And I think that is exactly, like you kind of hit the nail on the head right there is that she probably gets questions all day long about how she's different. And it's probably like a ref- breath of fresh air to just be like, Hey, how are we the same? And how can we connect on that level? And through that, or then maybe after 20 minutes of playing, like they were comfortable enough to talk about, you know, like what her assistive device was or why she needed it. Um, but it wasn't like the first thing they pointed out to her or noticed about her. Um, Right. And, you know, that's just, I just, how you approach it is totally um, so huge changing. Yeah. Yeah. But until I like witnessed that, like done now it makes sense. But when I witnessed that, I was like, oh yes. Like that's not how I would have approached this. And like, yeah, I think just like being exposed to this conversation is huge. Yeah. And I guess that's just like my kind of what's interesting. And I feel like I'm a pretty open-minded person. And that's just interesting to me is like how, like I, change like you might not always think the way to approach it this is the same way all the time like I might in a year change how I think is the best way to approach it and that's like sometimes even think about that about parenting I'm like gosh if I would have had a child 10 years ago like how different my parenting would be and in 10 years I might think wow I made a lot of mistakes like 10 (laughs) years ago like I wish I would have you know thought about things differently but I think that's also like the big message too is that it's okay to change how you're approaching things. And the more you understand and the more you teach your kids to understand, you know, you don't always have to do things the same just because that's what you once thought. For sure. Well, and we shouldn't be right. Like we should be evolving. I was, I was listening to Dak Shepard's podcast, which I freaking love by the way. I've heard that's really good. I've never heard <laughs> okay. it though. I was listening to his interview with Kristen Bell, which was very funny. But um, one of the things they were talking about was like, just this idea of like whatever political correctness, right? And how they had a friend who like in his time hop from eight years ago or whatever, he'd been at a Pilgrims and Indians Thanksgiving Friendsgiving party thing. And he went as a South Asian Indian. And now this like picture came up and he was like mortified, right? Yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't know any better. And he deletes the picture and it's this whole thing. And they had this whole conversation about like, okay, like, yeah, like, that, that, that wasn't rad, right? Like, that was obviously racist, but now you know better. And so now you can, you can do better. And yeah, 
it it doesn't mean like everything in our past has to have been perfect to be able to have said things perfectly or whatever. Like part of this is that we, we learn and we continue to evolve, but we've got to be able to have the conversation in order to learn. Yeah. And I think um, you, it was like kind of spoke to me when you were talking about race on your podcast and how, where we grew up, it wasn't necessarily a conversation because there was just so little diversity in the mm-hmm. same with people with disabilities. Like we might've known a couple of children with disabilities, but it wasn't like mm-hmm. in the mall, we would see, you know, somebody using a wheelchair, somebody, you know, using a dog for a guide. And it just was so limited that you might know one person. And I now looking back, I'm like, I can only imagine being that one person with a difference, mm-hmm. how isolating that is. Um, in a, in a town or city like that, where, you know, it's so, to me, that's like the cool thing is like, now I can walk down the street and see lots of people with differences. And that, um, you know, is what I want to teach my kids. Like, that's what makes the world cool. Like, it would be so boring if we all looked exactly the same and our bodies worked exactly the same. And it's cool that, you know, there's lots of differences and lots of cool technology that we can use. And, um, yeah, that's, I guess, just, the message I have. <laughs> no, I love it. I think I think it's getting comfortable with this conversation, right? Like I can think of one person growing up who who had one arm, right? And then mm-hmm. like a quarter of an arm. And I like when I think of like growing up and that like in and disabilities, that's the one person I have in my mind. Yeah. And you're so right. Like that person must have felt so isolated. Because also I mean, at least the folks I was around and exposed to did not have this language. And, but I think that there are a lot of people listening that aren't living in cities and aren't exposed to as much diversity, you know, like, yeah, that are in towns like, like where we grew up. And I think that it's, it's not an excuse to not have the conversation though. Yeah. Like, you, I mean, you just listed some resources for us here that I'll obviously link to, but that it's our job to talk about and expose kids to differences, even if they're not seeing different folks in their everyday life. Yeah. And I think that's really important because that's like, when I went to college, I went to a very large college, University of Florida, and it was like quite the culture shock for me because it just was like, I never, I don't think I ever, I ever met a Jewish person, which mm-hmm. that's not necessarily normal. Um, and I don't know that my, I mean, my mom probably discussed that people have different religions than us. And I, I knew some people who were Muslim, but it wasn't like a big thing, but it also was like, Hey, there's, there's lots of differences that might not be represented in the people you're seeing. And that doesn't mean they don't exist. Right. Um, and I think it's just like you're as an adult, a frame of reference. Like when we get nervous and we think, oh my gosh, like they have something wrong with them. They're going to be sensitive to it. They have a disability. Like when we think about that, like our kids feel that when we like think about it as like, Hey, you know what? They are just a little bit different than us. Like they happen to have one arm. You happen to have two. Um, but look at all the ways, like they can still do the same exact things you do. Um, and it just is kind of as simple as that. Like, you know, like you said, with your sister-in-law, kind of just showing like, hey, these are the ways you're the same. And totally. that, and kids just kind of like, okay, cool. Like, no big deal. Totally. Well, and it's interesting because I feel like we just got to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? There are so many like quote unquote taboo, I hate that term, kind of drives me nuts, but taboo subjects where it's like, we're, for me, that means you don't have the language to talk about this, right? Like, 
we're not talking about it because you don't have the language to do so. And I mean, I have a placenta tattooed on my arm and my kids, my like one-year-olds know the word placenta because they ask me about it. And (laughs) and when it starts, I'll tell them like, yeah, it's a tattoo. And then as we talk about it, I'm like, yeah, it's a baby. That's a placenta. And they all know placenta. They don't know what it does. They don't know whatever, like it's full being, but they know the word placenta. And there, I have college students in my classroom too. And just that word makes so many people uncomfortable because they don't know where to go from there. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I think that's, it's the same with so many topics that we consider taboo. And, and I think it's don't. okay to say to your kids sometimes like, you know what, I don't really know like why right. they're using that piece of equipment or why they use that wheelchair or why they talk a little bit differently than me. But you know what, I can try to look it up. Um, I can try to do some research and we can learn about it together. Right. No, I think that that's absolutely true. Like we don't have to have all the answers all the time and that's okay to admit. Yeah. And I think it's better to say that than like making something up that, you know, isn't the truth or might, you know, give them a negative um, representation of somebody with a disability. Totally. And I often will ask kids like, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure why they're, why they're using wheelchair assist device, whatever. Why do you think, like, what do you think? And they'll often like say things that are just legit like oh maybe they can't walk maybe their legs yeah. don't work and I'm not going to necessarily say like yeah that's it but I'll be like yeah maybe like yeah. essentially letting them brainstorm because they are brainstorming anyway yeah right? so like giving them the space to like just say that out loud to you and for you to validate like yeah that's an option <laughs> yeah that is I think a really good um method yeah thanks <laughs> uh <laughs> Cool. So I guess the general takeaway that I've gotten is, A, like, turn to these resources. If you don't feel like you have the language, like, turn to these resources. B, use person-first language as much as we can here. Like, you're going to screw up, and that's okay, and I don't think you have to beat yourself up over this because it's yeah, definitely. evolution. But, um, yeah, I mean, just, like, I guess it, being able to say, hey, I don't have this language and I want to is huge. And, and yeah, just exposing, I'll, I'll include a list of books. I'll include a freebie for download for people who are interested in books that. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. And I just like, you can Google person first language, um, and kind of, you know, get the gist of it and just see, like, it's not about being politically correct or always saying the right thing, but it's just kind of how you think of people first. Yeah, for sure. I mean, politically correct. Really what they mean is like respect. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just like being a nice person. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Like if that's something, if, if for you, like saying something, um, going out of your way to say something differently is frustrating. Like for someone else, that's just straight up disrespectful. Like it doesn't offend you, but it may offend somebody else. Yes. Uh, It just doesn't make sense to me. Um, (laughs) So yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, Wit. Thanks for for sharing your experience with Cece and the braces too. I think like I also love that you highlighted at the beginning that she wore braces for a, like a corrective issue and that she doesn't have a disability, and that that is it's important to say like I you know I don't I don't know what that's like as a parent. Yeah, for sure. And so yeah, I would love to hear at some point um, you an interview with a child with different disabilities and kind of get their um, take on all of this. Yeah, for sure. You know what? I, I I think it would be cool to also like bring on kids and hear their perspective. Yeah, um, that would be awesome. Some older kids. Cool. All right. Well, I'll I'll, I'll get on this. <laughs> all right. Where can people connect with you if you're open to that? 
Um, I'm on Facebook. My, I, my name is under Whitney Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R, Kalenbach, K-A-L-L-E-N-B-A-C-H. And I'm also on Instagram, um, W-M Kalenbach. And that's mostly just like a stream of pictures of my daughter and <laughs> occasionally my dog and probably in June, a new baby. It's <laughs> amazing. Well, your daughter is adorable and hilarious. Yeah, she has quite the spunk. That's why I'm like, probably if she understood what people meant, she would have a response to them and <laughs> not skip a beat. But until then, <laughs> you'll advocate for for uh, sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and, and sharing. You're welcome. Right. Thank you for having me. And I'm the, your podcast is awesome. And I'm very proud of all the things you're doing. Thank you. It's so sweet. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. If this podcast has helped you on your journey, please take two minutes to leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for joining forces with us to cultivate this modern parenting village. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.